the unseen. And I'm your host, Mike Cleland. This is part three of a remarkable conversation with my friend Ron Johnson. And this format, this long format with multiple episodes, this allows one person to tell his story in such a complete and thorough way. And this is a departure for me and the normal podcast format here. Now, going into this, I had concerns that this would disappoint the audience, but I have been amazed. For me, each episode has been riveting, and I feel Ron's story is too important to be covered in any other way. And it has been my complete honor to allow Ron to share his lifetime of very strange experiences. Now, I am recording this introduction after the editing, and in this episode, Ron tells some very subtle experiences. These are stories of dreams as well as interactions with animals, specifically deer. Now, some of these stories might seem unimpressive when compared to the high drama of of some of his other experiences, like being on board a craft, But these are the kinds of experiences, these subtle experiences, these are what people tell, and these are interwoven into the lives of experiencers. And for me, it is these subtle and very odd experiences that I'm drawn to as a researcher. Now, I know Ron, and I need to say that these audio conversations really and truly capture him and his personality. And I think anyone listening will be able to recognize the thoughtful and cautious way that he speaks. During these recordings, I have tried to ask Ron things, uh, try to get him to speculate on what might be at play. And for the most part, he won't stray from his memories. And I've pressed him on this a little bit, and he has not gone beyond what he can remember. Now, I hope this comes across right, because I am not trying to to ask Ron to embellish his stories. What I was trying to do was to hopefully get him to speculate on some of the deeper things, what might have happened, what might have been at play, and he wasn't going there. And I have a ton of respect for this cautious stance and the way he tells his experiences and the way he shares his stories. If you have not heard the first two episodes, they are both available on the page for the unseen here on the Unknown Country website. This conversation was recorded Sunday, September 13th, 2020. Please enjoy. Ron, I want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview. It means so much to me. Uh, thank you. I uh, really appreciate you allowing me to tell my story completely. <laughs> and I and I have um, I've really enjoyed it. And so presently, there are two audio interviews up online on the the Whitley site. And the um, the first is, I guess, it's mostly you as a as a boy, and also some of your um, paranormal research, like uh, the EVPs you were getting. And the second one, there was some Bigfoot stuff in there, which was remarkable. And then also, I guess the, we just got up to it till you were about 19 years old. And um, and you had that experience in Wyoming while driving from Utah to, to Wyoming in 
I guess it would have been in the early 1970s. Yes, 1973. Yeah. And hey, I just also want to say I have nothing written down at all. I am totally just like we, it feels like we set down a, a path on the last couple of episodes. And I just want to keep on following that path. So, so we left it about 1972 and just you pick up right where the story keeps leading. Okay, I'll uh, continue it from uh, uh, my the northern Utah, Wyoming experience. Mm-hmm. My parents had moved already from California to to Price, Utah, and so when I left Wyoming, I went to Price and uh, got a job and continued on with my life then. Everything kind of mellowed out a little bit as far as uh, UFOs, but the paranormal things started blossoming more. I've always been able to see spirits, even when I was a little kid, but uh, other things started to happen. Uh, black shadow people showing up in my bedroom, showing up in the house. Uh, started hearing my name whispered, like in my ears. Things like that. Uh, things starting to move by themselves. Telekinesis things happening. And so, let's see, in 1974, I had a really strange experience. It was an out-of-body experience. And when it happened, I thought I died. (laughs) It scared the living daylights out of me. I've heard this from other people, too, that their first thought is that they've died. Yeah, Yeah, it was just, uh, it was very frightening. And the way it went, I went to bed one night, and as soon as I got in bed, everything became, I became paralyzed, couldn't move. All I could move is my eyes, and I'm trying to force myself out of this. And then this amber light comes shining through the bedroom window, and all of a sudden I find myself getting up out of bed to kind of see where the light's coming from. And as I turn around, I can see myself in bed. (laughs) And I'm out of bed looking at myself in bed. And I I start to panic. And I'm kind of standing right in the center of the bed, right through my body. And it was just really, really strange. And... Everything just, everything just didn't feel right. Uh, after a while, I, I'm trying to get back into my body, and I'm grabbing it, but my hand's going right through it. And I actually tried sitting down into my body, but didn't do any good. And uh, I was completely separated from it. And I, like I say, like I told you earlier, I, I thought I died. And then this uh, portal opens up on the wall. 
and it was like a uh, oh, like a, a cave portal is what it reminded me of, and I could see into another another reality, and uh, I'm looking into this. It look, kind of looks like uh, oh God, I don't know how to explain it. Kind of like a uh, a lab type setting, mm-hmm. uh, and there's all these little grays in there, and there's quite a few of them, and two of them come through this portal into my bedroom, and they stand by the bed just watching me, and then another one comes through, and he's holding what looks like a giant salamander in his hand, and he's comes up to me and he shows it to me and I'm just I'm trying to I'm screaming but there's no voice coming out of me mm-hmm. <laughs> and so pretty soon a while later this they go back into through this portal back into where where it is they came from so this this whole time you're in your bedroom yes <clears throat> excuse me in an out-of-body realm with your with your physical body laying right there in the bed as all this is happening. Right. Okay. Right. Correct. Anyways, they, they go back into where they came from, and then the portal closes up, the amber light goes away, and then all of a sudden I real violently entered back into my body, and it, it was real, real hard. It was so hard I fell out of bed. <laughs> wow. And then I, you know, then I was just screaming and I got up and woke everybody in the house up. <laughs> wow, and and so you would have been about in your early 20s at this point? Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's see. I would have been yeah, about 21, 22, somewhere around there. Okay. And then so did you did you sense any purpose to this whole event? No. So there was no sort of, there was none of the, what we would like, the medical experiments or the medical procedures that sometimes no. get reported. And they showed you a giant salamander. They, like, presented you with this. Yeah. it's uh, It was really weird. I have no idea what it represented, what it was for, or what. Yeah, it seems very orchestrated. I mean, they, like, it seems like the orange light or the amber light is was some sort of... Um, almost like technology that brought you out of your body. And and so the amber light was there the entire time this event took place? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was shining through the window. Uh, I had the curtains closed, but it was bright enough to light up the room. Wow. And uh, it's this, uh, I had an encounter in uh, 1997 that we'll get to that had uh, an amber, the, the same color amber, mm-hmm. uh, but, but it was a craft. That we'll, we'll get to that okay. when I, you know, as time goes on. And so anyways, that, uh, that was over, and that just puzzled me uh, extremely. I, I still don't know what the reason for that was. And uh, after that, I think it was like about a year after that, I started having uh, bouts with missing time. Mm-hmm. And I had one that was just really bizarre. Uh, 
back then I used to do a lot of four-wheel driving, and I was racing a dirt bike back then. And uh, friend friend of mine lived in Helper, Utah, and we would go out four-wheeling at night, uh, you know, for something to do. <laughs> and uh, this one night, it was getting close to midnight, and he told me that he had to go to work the next morning. So I dropped him off at his house, went home, and as soon as I got in bed, it, the sun was coming up. <laughs> and what time do you think it would have been about when you arrived home and got into bed? Probably about 12.30. Okay. Past midnight. I got home, parked the truck, got out of the truck, come into the house, and it's about, well, it's what I think is about 12.30, past midnight, mm -hmm. and uh, get in bed, and as soon as I get in bed, the sun's coming up. And, you know, things like that started happening. And then in 1976, I bought a house in Helper, Utah. Well, just outside of Helper, on the, on just off of uh, US 191, and I had a strange experience there one night. I was only in the house about a month, and something woke me up. I don't know what it was, and the next thing I remember is I'm falling, being dropped on my coffee table. And I busted the legs off of it. And I got up, and I'm wondering, how did I get here? Did I sleepwalk? I don't know. <laughs> and then I hear a strange noise at the back door. And I go to the back door. I have an enclosed porch. Open the back door, and there's a deer in my porch <laughs> and I opened the door and we just sit there and stare at each other for a while and then after I don't know what seemed like maybe a minute or so the deer backs out backs down the uh, stairs that come up into my porch and turns around and walks off, but all the time, its head is turned around looking at me. So very similar to the deer that was in the hallway in Wyoming when you were 19. Exactly like that. And then walks off. And there was other deer over in the field next to my house, but this deer went off by itself and up this little draw and up on top of this hill. And you'd think it would go to where the other deer were at, but went off by itself. It was really strange. And uh, I've had other. Oh, here I have a story. This just this is a story. There's a researcher named Alan Cavanis who I trust. He's he's also an experiencer also, and um, mm -hmm. he told me this story. And it was a woman. Um, she was in her home. It was nighttime. And there was a bright, bright light outside, like big flash. So she went downstairs and opened the front door. Mm -hmm. And she went and stood on the porch. 
and at first she didn't see anything and then she looked right to her side right next to the porch and there were three gray aliens three skinny gray aliens the short gray aliens and she watched mm -hmm. them turn into deer they all three of them like boop 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 they morphed into deer really? and then they walked backwards in this really odd motion so they were facing her at the same time they walked backwards and they walked backwards and walked around the edge of the house and she lost sight of them that's that's what these deer that's what this these deer did they walked backwards away from me as opposed to the one in the hallway that that walked towards the door but looked over its shoulder at you yeah, yeah. The, then they turned around and then but was, they always had their head turned in my direction watching me but i've had other strange experience with deer i used to do a lot of hiking back then and i was up on the manti up above between uh oh the summit of uh Huntington Canyon and uh Joe's Valley. Mm -hmm. And I would go up there and do a lot of hiking up across the top of the plateau there. And there was a little knoll, had a big old boost bruce tree on it. And I'm walking towards this knoll and this deer sticks its head out of the tree out of the lower part of the tree. And I can't see its body because of all the uh, branches and the limbs. And the deer just watches me. So I stop and I stare at it. And then its head goes back into the tree and then comes out on the other side of the tree looking at me. And I'm thinking, this is really weird. How is that deer getting back and forth? in that tree with all those branches <laughs> as quickly as it did. And then it, after a while, after staring at me a while, its head goes back in. And then I continue on walking. I go up by the tree and walk around to the other side of it. And I figured the deer had run off. And then I start walking up to the top of the knoll. And I get up there and I turn around and look, and the deer has its head out of the branches looking at me. And this is the same tree? Same tree, <laughs> all in different locations. And it was a big tree. It probably had a, well, the branches on the, next to the ground was probably stuck out 25 feet. It was a huge tree. Mm -hmm. And uh, other another time, I was out taking pictures of wildlife, of the deer and stuff. And up on the side of this hill, there's a herd of deer up there. And so I've always thought humans could telepathically talk to animals. And I still think it's possible. And I send a message and I ask, the deer to please come down so I can take your picture and this one deer immediately starts you know how mule deer they kind of hop like a four-legged pogo stick sure sure that that bounding motion yeah yeah he comes down off of this hill comes in between two houses crosses a road 
and then crosses this field and comes right up to me within like 12 feet of me and stops. And it's a, it's a, it's a buck deer has seven points on one side, five on the other. And my heart's just beating, you know, real fast because of this. And so I just tell him, you know, I just want to take your picture. I don't want to harm you. And that's all I want to do. And so I took three pictures of it. And I says, thank you very much for letting me take your picture. And I heard this in my mind. I heard this, you're welcome. And this deer walked around me and then walked off. <laughs> Real strange. Wow. Then this is, I mean, you earlier you said, you know, I mean, I've got all these owl stories. I'm kind of known as the owl guy. And then you've, you've said very clearly, like, you've had a lot of experience with deer. Yeah. You said that in an earlier episode. Yeah. <laughs> and another time, I'm up hiking up on this ridge. And before I started up the ridge, there's a little two-point buck standing real close to where I climb this hillside. And all the way up to the top of this ridge, I'm looking behind me and this deer is following me, right behind me. And I get to the top and there's a big boulder up there and I just kind of lean against it. And this deer walks right up to me, stands right beside me. I could have reached my arms out and hugged it and wasn't scared, didn't run off, and stayed there for probably, I don't know, let's say 45 seconds, turned around and looked at me, and I'm taking pictures of this deer, and he's walking off with his head turned back, looking at me like the other deer did. And I got all kinds of pictures of it, and it just walks off up the ridge. <laughs> and those are the kind of stories I have with deer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is something that shows up a lot where people will will have, you know, it's actually one of the questions that I, I should ask more and I don't, and I just let people tell me, but have you ever had any strange experiences with animals, like, or, or strange connections with animals? And it comes up a lot. This one woman, her husband actually calls her Snow White because, like, you know, the birds come and, you know, land near her and, the you know, the squirrels come out and come right up to her, that kind of thing. Like, right. And, um, hey, one question. So you grew up in a rural environment a rural family did you grow up hunting i did i hunted for like four years and then these experiences started happening and i don't hunt anymore i will not kill an animal anymore i've repented of it i've asked them for forgiveness because i think animals I think they're here not as a food source, even though they are used for that. But I believe, spiritually, I believe they're here as like teachers and guides. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, even the Native American mythology is, uh, or not the mythology, the practices the, the, that were, mm -hmm. you know, the, the village would pray for a buffalo 
and the village depended on the food. And there are accounts of the buffalo that would, in essence, answer their prayer and give themselves up during the hunt. Yeah, I've heard that, and I I believe that they're here to help us. And if, if that need be the case, then they will they will do that yeah but i've had other animals uh birds especially i've been out in the yard and one time i stuck my hand out and i says come and say hi and this bird flew over and landed on my hand <laughs> wow totally blew my mind uh when i was working construction uh i would drive a dump truck and uh, we carpooled with uh, other people and we got to the job site on on one occasion, got out of the car, and I looked up and I know there's three hawks circling above me. <laughs> and the other people get out of the car and say, wow, that is neat. So I walked over to the job site and they just stayed right above me, circling around me. <laughs> and uh, they were just totally amazed the boss came over, took you know, went to his truck, got his camera out, and took a picture of him. I've had that happen. Uh, when I was out taking pictures, I love to go out and take pictures. Uh, I was down in Mounds. It's a, an old uh, ghost town area. There used to be an old uh, ghost town there where they uh, had the railroad and you would load sheep up onto the cattle cars. Mm-hmm. And when I'm driving down there, there's a knoll on the side of the road, and there's an eagle, a bald eagle, perched on top of this knoll watching me. So I pulled off the side of the road, got out with my movie camera, and I I just asked. All I did is just, in my mind, I asked this, Eagle, could you please go up and fly around me so I can get a video of you? I said, I'm not going to harm you or anything. And uh, sure enough, that eagle took off and started flying in circles around me. And I got a really neat video of it. You know, things like that. I've had owls follow me Mm -hmm. uh, riding my dirt bike. Uh, going up a dirt road, going along about maybe 30, 40 mile an hour. And then all of a sudden, off to the side of me, I see a owl pacing me. <laughs> uh, I've been out hiking, and I've had owls come down and swoop at me and go back up. Uh, and another strange experience, uh, me and a friend of mine, you know, we go out and do a lot of uh, stargazing looking for strange things in the night sky. Mm -hmm. And we're driving in her car, going down this road out to this old flat area that we go to. And she says, Ron, there's a white owl pacing me out of my window outside the car. And I'm trying to see it, but I couldn't see it. And I said, gosh, I should love to see that. And so she pulls over and she says, you get over here and drive. Maybe 
he'll come back. <laughs> and so I got behind the wheel and I made a U-turn and I went back the other direction. And this white owl showed up and was right beside the car, pacing us. I have no idea. And I've told people this story many times, and my friend has too. And people keep telling me there's no white owls in this part of Utah. And I get, I get deer that come into my yard all the time. I'll be sitting here working on the computer, and I'll look up at the window, and there'll be a deer watching me through the window. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen three or four times over the years. And it's just, I don't know, or something with animals. And I really, really think that uh, I, I've changed my tune about animals and what I think of them. Yeah. Um, like I said, I won't hunt anymore. I will not harm an animal in any way now. And I feel real bad about, you know, being a hunter. <laughs> But I think it was, um, I think it was meant to be. Yeah, and I've heard that from many people that have have had these experiences. And they, one of the things they'll say is they quit hunting, and a lot of people will say they don't swat mosquitoes or or, or they'll carry ants out of their house. If there's an ant on the kitchen floor, they'll pick it up with a piece of paper and take it outside and set it outside. Well, you know that's weird. I I find myself doing that with spiders. Mm -hmm. I used to definitely a afraid of spiders and snakes and uh, I find myself uh, picking them up putting them in my hand I won't do that with a black widow or something like mm -hmm. that or like a brown recluse but uh, I take them outside and I'll put them in the garden yeah and another another time I was taking my mom to visit her sister in uh, Henderson Nevada and we stopped off at this uh, Flying J truck stop in uh, Beaver, Utah. <laughs> and we went in. I said, let's get us a, a sandwich and a, something to drink. And so we're sitting there in the cafeteria area of this truck stop. And this woman starts screaming. And so I get up and everybody else stands up. And I, I kind of walked over to see if she was all right. And there was a big grasshopper on the table. And she was just deathly, she was afraid of it. She was about ready to fall out of the chair. She had it back away from there. She wanted nothing to do with that grasshopper. I said, don't worry about it. And I reached down and I put him in the, my cupped hand. And I went outside and walked across the parking lot turned it loose in a uh, field and then I came back and when I come back into the room everybody in that cafeteria stood up and applauded oh <laughs> I've spent time in Beaver Utah that's a very sweet town yes yeah but yeah I I pretty sure I have a a connection there with animals because I really uh, believe that they are teachers, guides. Mm -hmm. 
I was actually writing one time and I was I was actually having trouble writing and I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm writing all this stuff. It feels like my life is totally like changed and all I do is work on this UFO stuff now. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing that, a grasshopper landed on my arm or my hand, excuse me. And this was in my office, which was in a little uh, converted chicken coop behind the house I was living at. And then it landed on my elbow and then it jumped to my shoulder and then it sat on top of my head like sat on top of my head as I was writing. And, you know, and there's like, you can just do a little online research as for like this totem meaning of an animal. In grasshoppers, they jump and they just, they're like their spirit message. Right. Would be to just press on, jump forward, move forward, keep going forward. Yeah. So there I was in the moment thinking like, what am I doing? Why am I so stuck doing this UFO stuff? I was so frustrated. Mm. And the message I got from this little animal, if the little spirit guide I looked up online was accurate, was just keep going, jump forward, keep jumping forward. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't give up, yeah. <laughs> Don't turn around and go back. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the message I get. Yeah. Um, I had a another one with a uh, praying mantis. I had a storage unit for a while, and I had a bunch of stuff you know, packed in boxes in there. And one day I went and opened the storage unit and this praying mantis was on the top of the box, a pile of boxes there. And he just watched me. And I'd go in there looking for what I needed and the darn thing would turn around and just watch me. So I took it, put it in my hands and took it over to a vacant lot next door, turned it loose. And then the next time I went back to that storage unit, he was back there. <laughs> Inside again? On top of that box. Oh, wow. Yeah. It happened three times. Wow. What was in the box? Uh, I don't know. I think it was some of my Scooby-Doo stuff that I was selling on eBay. <laughs> okay. I just was curious. That's interesting. That, now, that's actually interesting that it was your Scooby-Doo stuff. That's funny. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, there's a playful <laughs> aspect to this stuff. I mean, that's the kind of question I would ask is... You know, like yeah, what was in the box? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's weird. I back then I had an eBay store, and I would sell this Scooby Doo stuff, and I'd just go out and find it everywhere, at yard sales, at uh, thrift stores, and it, it would sell real good. And I was doing real good at this, and then all of a sudden that first housing crunch hit, and it, it just dried up. Yeah, never could sell it thing after that <laughs> and uh it's just all kinds of weird things another one i had i was out right after i bought this house in east carbon i was out in the front of my porch and i was digging up the dirt i was gonna plant some flowers there and as i'm there this little lizard comes up onto the palm of my hand and just He's just looking at me, a little short lizard, about maybe two and a half inches long, a little small one. Mm-hmm. And I says, buddy, I says, you're going to get hurt. You need to, you know, I don't want to step on you. So I went, took him over and turned him loose into the vacant lot next door. And I come back and I'm sitting there and I got my hand down on the ground and my other hand, I'm sitting there turning this dirt up. And then I could feel something on my hand like, Looked down again, and that same little lizard is back on my hand. 
watching me, looking straight at me. And would it have had time to, like, walk the distance back from the vacant lot? Yeah, yeah. This was, like, maybe five minutes later or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he had plenty of time. It's just all kinds of weird little stories like this. I'm just, pretty much all my life it's happened. Things like this would happen. Yeah, yeah. This is not unusual with with certain people. I mean, I, I I think a pragmatic scientist would dismiss this outright and not yeah. and not pay attention right. to it, but I certainly pay attention to it. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, anyways, as time goes on, <laughs> uh, all this paranormal weird stuff is happening to me. And the years go on, and in 1997... I got a job offer in Hawaii as a uh, heavy equipment mechanic. And so I took the job and uh, went to Hawaii, figured, wow, this, this might turn out to be a good place, you know, good opportunity to live in Hawaii for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went over there and got this job as a mechanic, and they had rented a house for me to stay in and uh, everything was going good making good money and then one night in uh, July of uh, 1998 I, we were having a barbecue at the boss's house and he lived in the center of the island in a little town called Mililani mm-hmm I lived in Waiapahu, which is on the other side of uh, Pearl Harbor from uh, Honolulu. And this was a Friday, and I had to go to work the next morning to finish a job. To f- I had to put a dr- finish putting a drive shaft in a water truck. And so I told the boss and everybody else there that I'm going to go home, and this was probably around 11 o'clock at night. And so I go out, get into my truck, and I usually, when I go go to Mililani, I usually take the H2 freeway to the H1 and take it. But this time, there's a little back road, a little back two-lane road that goes along the base of the Waianae Mountains, and it goes right to the little neighborhood that I lived in, in Waipahu. So I figured, oh, I think I'll just go this way tonight. And so I get about halfway home, and I notice this big, bright, amber light above the Waianae Mountains. And this is above the uh, Naval Magazine base. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm watching this thing, and I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, that's not a light on the mountain. This is above the mountain. And so I was coming to this turnout, and I pulled into this turnout on the side of the road. And these are all pineapple fields around us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get out of the truck, and I just start, I'm fascinated with this light, and I just start watching it. And then all of a sudden, it just slowly starts rising up into the air. It goes through the clouds, 
gets way up above the clouds and then it just turns off like like somebody turned on a light switch off mm-hmm. and then it simultaneously as soon as it went out it was back on but it was like a mile or two further down the mountain range on top of the mountain and the same thing would happen it would go out and simultaneously it would be way up above the the mountain range more towards uh Schofield barracks mm-hmm. and it just kept doing this and then all of a sudden it would just start darting all over the place making 90 degree turns and it was just it was like he was putting on a show it's like it knew I was watching it and then all of a sudden it approached me and that it scared the hell out of me when it approached me and I just stood there on the side of the truck watching this thing fascinated with it and then all of a sudden it just went back to where I first saw it above the mountain and then it didn't move anymore it just stayed there and so I probably stayed there another 30 40 seconds or so and I says ah, I'm gonna go home go to bed so I got back into the truck and I drove on home and when I got to the house I was wondering if I could see it from the drive or from my backyard. So I went through the house into the backyard and neighbors' houses were in the way of the rooftops. I couldn't see it. And so I went back into the house and uh, went to bed. And as soon as I got in bed, immediately I became paralyzed. All I could do was move my eyes and I'm trying to force myself out of this and I can't. I'm trying to yell, but I can't. And then all of a sudden, these six little grays come in through my bedroom door. Mm -hmm. Not through it. The door was open. They walked in. And uh, they stood there looking at me. And these grays were different from the other ones I saw because these had kind of a light blue bluish hue color to them and they looked like they was wearing a uh, like a one-piece jumpsuit mm-hmm. and so anyways the blanket that I had on me it just levitated by itself off of the bed and went down onto the floor at the foot of the bed and then I started to levitate up off of the bed. And then I, I'm trying to force myself out of this, you know. And I'm praying to God to stop this. But it just keeps right on going. And I just slowly, very slowly, went out the uh, bedroom door. There was three in front of me and three behind me. And when we got out into the living room... I turned, and we started to very slowly go towards the front door of the house. And what's weird is when we got to the door, we all went through the wall in the door. (laughs) The door didn't open. It was odd, really odd. And you just passed through, through the door? Passed right through it. Was there any sensation you felt, or...? 
Uh, yeah, there was a buzzing, a real, like a real super high uh, vibrating buzz to my body. And th that's about all I could feel. But when I got outside, I could feel the, the breeze hitting me. Uh, and it was still pretty warm. In Hawaii, it never gets cold. <laughs> and we continued on over to the where the driveway meets the garage on the corner there. And I can see above the house this big walnut-shaped amber light that I saw over the mountain, over the Waianae Mountains earlier. And this blue beam, it's a real kind of a faint beam comes down and it hits me. And I just slowly become vertical up and down and very slowly start rising up to this light. And I'm sitting here just, gosh, snap out of this. God, please help me. Get, get me, you know, snap me out of this, please. Nothing. I just kept rising up there. And I get about, oh, 50, 60 feet above the house. And then I start thinking, you know, I don't want to snap out of this right now because it'll probably kill me if I drop this. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of don't move and I'm just kind of watching this and I can see the six little grays down there watching me ascend to this craft <laughs> and while on my way up I only lived about three blocks from Walmart and this is so funny I could actually see the parking lot and see Walmart from up there <laughs> Wow! and uh, I could see the trash cans out along the road and uh, the rooftops of the houses next door to me and the rooftop to the house I was living in. And I could see my truck parked in the driveway. And so I start to enter into this craft from the bottom. And as, I, as I'm going into this light that's shaped like a big walnut, it's like everything turned white and I, it was like I pass out. And then I came to, I'm laying on this metal table, and I'm in this round room, and there's six beings, three on each side of me. They look like the little grays that uh, took me, mm -hmm. but they're taller. These are like about maybe five foot tall. The other ones were like three and a half, four foot tall. And they're not saying anything. They're not moving. They just, they're looking down at me. And uh, these were more uh, white colored or maybe an off-white. Um, I don't know what they were, but it sure scared the hell out of me. And so, and I'm sitting there trying to force myself out of this, asking God to help me, please, please, nothing. And then all of a sudden I heard a, a big, loud, like, wham. And then, boom, I hit the floor right next to my bed. And I start naked, all the clothes are off me. They're at the foot of the bed on top of the blanket. 
and I'm just dripping wet with sweat. And I get up, and I'm wondering what the hell just happened. So I get up, turn the lights on in the house, and I stayed up for about an hour. And in that time, that was like about 2, 2 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I figured there was about uh, probably an hour and a half to two hours that passed there real quick. And so I get up, and I'm wondering, and I'm thinking about this. And after a while, I go in and take a shower, dry off, and then I so I'm going back to bed. I turn the lights off. As soon as I get back in bed, same thing happens again. I become paralyzed. Can't move. Nothing but my eyes. And I thought, oh, God, here we go again. And I'm saying, God, don't let this happen. You know? And then everything turned like a fuzzy white. And then I came to, and I'm in that round room again on that same table. But I'm by myself. There's no uh, no entities there watching me or nothing. Nobody's doing anything to me. And then after a while, I heard a big wham. And then same thing. I hit the floor next to my bed. No clothes on dripping wet with sweat. I get up, and it's daylight already coming on. (laughs) So I figure, you know, I must have been gone for three or four hours that time. (laughs) Wow. And uh, I stayed up. I didn't go back to bed. I just, I had to go to work anyway, so I took another shower, got dressed, and went to work. (laughs) Wow. And how old would you have been at this time? Let's see. I was uh, that was in 1998. So I was probably 40 years old. I don't okay. Know, something like that. And um, these experiences start beginning again after the long, seeming absence. Mm-hmm. And and so this is would this have been sort of the the onset of the beginning of this new chapter of your experiences. Right. This is uh, what I call the, uh, I I got my experiences broke down into four sections. The first was the beginning or prelude. Mm -hmm. The second Mm -hmm. was a purpose, and that had to do with hybridization. And the third is more conscious. It's uh, more on a conscious level, uh, a learning level. And uh, after that, the encounters I've had seem to be more of observing me, you know, kind of like finding out how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was the beginning, is what I say the beginning of my uh, conscious uh, encounters. And do you have another example of, of one of these conscious encounters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got many of them. And so right after this happened, the company I worked for filed for bankruptcy, and I had to move back to Utah. And my tenure in Hawaii ended. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and everything went on okay. I started, uh, I was still having the uh, paranormal experiences with uh, ghosts, uh, black shadow people, 
And uh, things started moving on their own in my house, telekinesis happenings. I'd go into the kitchen, and uh, Tupperware bowls would come flying off of the top of the refrigerator and hit me right in the head. I've had uh, open the cupboard doors, and I've had uh, bottles of uh, spice come out and hit me so hard it was like it was thrown at me right between the eyes, things like that. Um, and at that time, I had a, uh, a 78 Dodge truck that I had fixed up for the Moab Jeep Safari, and it was stolen from me. And the people that stole it uh, junked it out, sold all the parts off of it, and uh, took what was left out to the salvage yard. And so anyways, we caught the guy that did it, and I had to take him to court. And I'm sitting there. This was the night before court. Court was the next day. And I was sitting there just stewing about this guy, thinking of all kinds of things that I wish would happen to him. <laughs> and I got so worked up, I worked myself up into a rage thinking about this. And I had a notebook sitting on the table, and that thing takes off like a F-16 off the table and flies clear across the living room and lands on the floor. <laughs> And so I started thinking, oh, maybe I better not get so mad. So I tried not to think so much about it. And then it was like a couple days after that, I was sitting at the table thinking about my truck being stolen again. And I got mad, and the same thing happened. I had a uh, an address book sitting on the table next to me. And that thing shoots up into the air all, almost bounces off the ceiling and then comes down onto the ground next to where I'm sitting. And it's just, it's just odd. Yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a, uh, I mean, your emotions were being reflected back at you somehow through your environment. Yeah. yeah. I actually think I was doing that. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, things like that happening. Yeah. Uh I would I'd go to a restaurant. I'd be in price doing things and about noon, one o'clock I'd always stop off. A friend of mine owns a restaurant there and I'd always stop off there and have lunch. And one day I'm sitting there and there's people sitting at the table in front of me, behind me, and across the aisle from me. Other than that there's nobody else in there. And I'm sitting there and the waitress comes over, she takes my order, she takes the menu, and I'm sitting there just kind of twiddling my thumbs, waiting to be served, and all of a sudden, a stack of uh, menus comes down and hits the table that I'm sitting at. <laughs> and I just start looking around, wondering where the hell did these come from? Like they fell as if from, like... Yeah, fell from above. And I'm looking around, and then I noticed all the people there in front of me, behind me, over to the side of me, are all staring at me. 
<laughs> and the people across from me, the lady gets up, hits her husband in the side of the head and says, get up. He says, we're leaving now. And so they get up and leave. But when they left, they didn't walk by me. They went down and around and uh, left. And the other people that are sitting in front of me and behind me, they're standing up and they're just staring at me. And I'm kind of looking at them and thinking, what the hell happened? You know, I don't know what happened. Uh, I didn't see it. All I saw was the stack of uh, menus hit the table. And I don't know if they flew across the room or what. I, I don't know. I haven't got a clue. And uh, so I got up and uh, finished. Well, I finished my lunch, and then I got up and left. And I've always wondered to myself, that would have been neat to have seen what actually happened. I mean, it seems like they saw floating menus float across the room and then drop. I'm, I'm only a, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, and another time I was in there, I think it was only like maybe a couple weeks after that, I was in the same restaurant, and uh, the waitress come over, and uh, she served me, and she had a bowl of corn. She sat down next to my plate, and I took the bowl, and I moved it all the way over as far as I could on the table over into the corner. And she says, oh, you don't like your corn, do you? And I says, well, not really. And so I'm sitting there, and she's setting down the rest of the stuff, you know, on the table that I ordered. And then she got done, and she asked me if I needed anything else, and I told her no. And this bowl of corn moves across the table by itself, <laughs> comes down, goes around my glass, and comes right up to me by where my silverware is, like I'm supposed to eat it. <laughs> you know? And she, wide-eyed, she says, how the hell did you do that? I've never seen that before. I says, it just happens with me. It's just the way I am, you know. You know, Things like that. Um, I've had uh, uh, working on my car. I've had wrenches. I needed a wrench, and then all of a sudden it's right there, and you know, and I don't have to go get it out of the toolbox. You know, things like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why they're showing me things like this, experiences like this. But apparently it has something to do with my being here. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Like I say, these are so vague, and what they tell you is so vague. You just don't know what to make of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember having a conversation with um, Bud Hopkins, mm -hmm. and he told a story where there was a, a husband and wife who had both been having contact experiences and they were sitting in the living room and the lamp in the living room floated up off the off the table mm -hmm. off the end table and then turned over in the air 
and set back down upside down, like on the lampshade. Wow. I think I've got the story right. And they both watched it. it didn't like it didn't have anything to do with anything. Yeah. Like it was like an invisible person lifted it up, set it back down the other direction. Hmm. And so what what is the purpose of these things? What is the purpose of your corn like coming to sit closer to you on the table? I don't know. I don't know either. And this is but these are the stories that that um you know what it's interesting when you talk to someone who's had these kind of experiences, you know, the, when you first talk to them, they'll have like the key set of stories that they've maybe told a few times. And then afterwards, you'll start hearing these other extremely odd stories that have this much more subtle in character than, you know, being taken on board a flying saucer, let's say. Right. But it's exactly these kind of stories that, that how to say this, these aren't being talked about in, right. in, uh, on documentaries and, right. and on unsolved mysteries and things like that. And these experiences are what are invading people's lives. Yeah. It's not just the big, powerful, dramatic UFO sightings. It's these very, very unbelievable odds experiences. But, uh, yeah, th this kind of stuff started happening. And then I started seeing more and more uh, black shadow people, uh, black masses in the house. Mm -hmm. uh, now, what's your sense of them? What do, what do you feel about that? I don't know. Some of them that appear are... Uh, uh, my first initial reaction is fear, stay away from them. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones I try to banish. But most of them, a majority of them, have a neutral, uh, kind of a positive feeling with them. And another thing that started happening, I started having out-of-body experiences started happening about this time. Uh, I would lay down on the couch, I'd be tired, and then all of a sudden I'd find myself floating above myself, up by the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And then I would travel off, go to different places. And so, and it, it was kind of startling. It bothered me at first. But after this started happening a lot, after a while, I, I became used to it. I actually enjoyed it. it. It's such a peaceful feeling. It's a total feeling of freedom is the only way I can describe it. And are you capable of like traveling and like choosing where you want to go or? I, I have. I've been trying to do it on my own uh, at will. But I'm having a real difficult time doing it. It's like every time if I try to do it on my own, uh, as soon as I start to leave my body, this black shadow person appears right next to me. And then it just snaps me right back into my body. Wow. I mean, I get the impression that there's like a guardian angel like saying, no, 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 yeah. not now. Get back in. I'm just thinking of like, yeah, that you know the dog trying to get out the, the front door to play in the yard and something's, you know, someone's there saying, yeah. no, 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 you're staying inside. That's what it felt like. Have you ever been so tired, not physically, but mentally tired, exhausted to the point where you just don't even want to move? Mm -hmm. Okay. When I get like that, all I have to do as soon as I sit down on the couch I'm out of my body, <laughs> and uh, it it's 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 neat. 
uh, seems like that's a uh, prerequisite to leave your body is when you're mentally exhausted. Yeah, and and there's a book called Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe, and I haven't read the book completely, but um, but he talks about this this time between wake and sleep. Yeah, this kind of halfway point, and you can you can take advantage of that moment and have an out of body experience. Right. Yeah. And uh, about this same time, uh, these are all different experiences. I started having these dreams that uh, of me being an animal. I've had dreams of me being a mouse. Many dreams of me being a deer, Mm -hmm. bears, um, raccoons, uh, a fox once. And it's weird. And it's like uh, there's always a story, uh, storyline to these dreams I have of being an animal. It's like I'm supposed to experience this. It's for some reason, I don't know why, but... I am to experience this. And the first time I was uh, uh, had a dream of being a deer, I was sitting there, and I, you don't realize you're an animal right at first. It just all of a sudden hits you after the dream starts. And I'm standing there on this dirt road as a deer, and I'm trying to walk on four legs, and it's very difficult. <laughs> wow. And this Chevy truck drives up, and there's two hunters inside of it. And they get out, and they're hollering, there's a deer, there's a deer, and they get out with their rifles. And the fear, Mike, the fear that went through me was so real and was so wrong. I've never felt fear like that before. And I feel that uh, I was to experience this, what a deer goes through, you know, just before he's killed Mm -hmm. by a hunter. And it's just, I didn't like the feeling at all. And I kind of stumbled up to the side of the truck and I told in this dream I told these people that I'm not a deer I'm actually a human and uh, they agreed not to kill me wow and it's a feeling of relief <laughs> just swept through my whole body at that time I've had many dreams like that uh, I, I, I should send you a copy of my dream journal I know it's like 700 pages long or something. Uh, it, it's a lot. It's thick. It's like three inches thick. Wow. <laughs> and do you write it out by hand or do you type it on the computer? I do it on the computer. Okay. Wow. And so, and then another dream I've had of a uh, being a mouse, the one being a mouse. I was in this, I, I didn't know where I was at. And I was looking at this big giant man. And I'm thinking, my God, he's going to step on me and kill me. But I'm still thinking I'm a human. 
And then all of a sudden, I take off running to go hide from this big, giant man. And then I realized when I ran off that I was a mouse. And again, the fear that ran through me was just, it's like I was supposed to experience this. And uh, same with the, uh, I had a dream of being a fox once, and there was two other foxes with me. And we're going through this house. (laughs) And this man comes out with a shovel, and he's trying to kill the other two uh, foxes that are with me. And so I tell them to take off running, and I'll take care of the man myself. And so they take off running, and then I start running in circles around this man with the shovel, and he's trying to hit me with it. And I could just, I could sense the hate in his eyes. He hated me so bad he wanted me dead. And so I ran out of the building, ran down the street, and this dog is chasing me. And I told my two fox friends to just keep going. I'll I'll take care of the dog. And they're running down, running, running, running. I'm running. The dog's chasing me real close to me. And I watched the two in front of me, and they went right through this chain-link fence. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope I can make it through there. And I hit the chain-link fence, and uh, I didn't go through it. And the dog's getting closer. And right at that time, there's two gray aliens, grays, standing there watching me. And they tell me, telepathically, they tell me, they said, concentrate on the fence only, and you'll make it through it. And so I'm concentrating on this fence, and I start to go through it, and I force myself the rest of the way, but I hurt my hind legs and my tail, and I can feel the pain from this. And the two grays are on the other side of the fence now, and they're watching me, and I take off running, and they're kind of staying above me. It's like they're flying along with me, pacing me. And it's weird. I'm running through this tall grass, but I know exactly where I'm going. And I come to this little clearing, and there's this entity sitting in a chair. And the two grays, there's one on each side of them. And I run up to it and jump up on his lap. And the other two foxes are there. And that entity tells me telepathically that he said it is a wonderful gift to risk your life to save a friend. And he says you are going to be so blessed. It's beyond measure. And then I woke up right after, right at that time. <laughs> wow, you know this is I've heard these these types of things before. Sometimes they're in a in like the context of being on a craft where suddenly they're like in a different realm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like some of the stories are, I'm doing this from memory, where you'll be given a gun. Yeah. And then they'll say like in order to 
you know, to save one person, you have to kill another person. So you have to aim this gun at this person and kill them in order to save this other person. Right. And they're like, I can't do it. I won't do it. And they'll set the gun down. And then the yeah. the scene will sort of evaporate. And then the beings will say like, okay, you've, we, you know, we wanted to read your emotions or, right. or they'll say something like, oh, we were giving you a test and you did well. Yeah, that's exactly what these dreams are like. Uh, and I've had dreams like this with being a bear. Um, gosh, I've had, I'll have to siphon these out of my dream journal and send them to you. Yeah, I would love to see them, yeah. Pretty, some of them are fascinating. <laughs> but this is the kind of stuff that was starting to happen to me. And then I got, and about this time I started getting interested in, uh, I don't know why, into uh, paranormal investigations, ghost hunting, this kind of stuff. But all the time, I've over the years, I've always felt like I was to talk about my experiences. But I'd always put them on the back burner and do this other stuff with ghost hunting and EVPs. And now it's like uh, the time is now get your stories out now it's like you do it <laughs> yeah is the feeling i get quit procrastinating yeah. get it done <laughs> and and so not just the ufo contact experiences that you've had but also these much more subtle dream-like experiences as well as the animal experiences right. and the you know the poltergeist type experiences. absolutely it's all part yeah. of it that's my sense too it's all, everything is relative to one another. Death, dying, the afterlife, the before life, the different planes between uh, earth and heaven, uh, out-of-body experiences, Bigfoot, it's, it's all related. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like that Bigfoot story I told you about, uh, the dream I had with my partner that died yeah that was in episode one of the series yeah it's all related yeah this has been so wonderful and i look forward to talking more i i'm looking forward to it too looking forward to seeing you again yeah i gotta get back out west soon yeah i miss it okie dokie okay it's great to hear your voice all right bye bye-bye This is Mike, and I am chiming in after the editing. At the end there, uh, you could hear it. Our goodbye might have felt a little abrupt. What you heard was the first hour, a little over an hour, of a nearly three-hour-long conversation, and the rest of it will be shared next week. So I had to interrupt and just end it, and this fascinating conversation will carry on next week. I have truly enjoyed talking with Ron, and I have tried to step back from my role of formal interviewer and to simply let Ron lead where he wants to go. And part of this has required that I don't interrupt the episodes for the commercial breaks. I do it in post-production through editing. I kind of fade out and, and then fade back in. And I think this has helped Ron and allowed him to tell his experiences without those interruptions. 
And I also want to say that I have been, I guess, sort of entranced by his stories. He has a nice, calm way of talking, and hopefully the audience will appreciate his gentle voice. But for me, it allows me to really concentrate on on his experiences while we are talking. Okay, Ron has a blog where he posts about his Bigfoot research, and that is at utahbigfootfiles at blogspot.com. I'll say that again, Utah Bigfoot Files, all one word, at blogspot.com. He can also be reached on Facebook, where he posts beautiful photos of the Utah desert, including these wonderful pictures of ghost towns. And he has also been taking a lot of wonderful sunset pictures. Now, please watch for part four. That'll be coming up next week. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.